welcome to the Project Entrepreneur, the Tools podcast series. The goal of this podcast is to share ideas, tools, and strategies from entrepreneurs, investors, and other leaders in the startup community. This series will equip you with the knowledge and concepts to bring your business to the next level. What will you build and how will you build it? Today's episode, The Power of PR, was recorded at the 2018 Project Entrepreneur Intensive in New York City. It features Carly Roney, co-founder of The Knot XO Group, and Melissa Bach, director of PR and brand marketing at The Knot XO Group. And I'm Carly Roney, I'm the founder of The Knot, and this is Melissa Bach, my head of um, publicity um, and marketing, and we uh, are going to take you through a super deep dive session on how to build a PR plan for yourself. So the reason we're going to tell this story is um, The Knot is the number one brand in its category. It is started as like, you know, four NYU film grads in um, 1996. And um, you know, basically paying pennies to our fellow classmates to to build what was a glorified wedding magazine on AOL, and it's now a um, half a billion dollar public company. The most important piece of our story, and it was from day one when we were getting our first you know investors down to the time we were going public today, is that this brand was entirely built on PR. It was built on building an amazing experience and then getting the press to talk about it. And so the only marketing department we had for literally the first, I mean, 10 years of the business was a publicity department. And Melissa here runs that department today and is a real guru on this. And additionally, I joined the board of Rent the Runway literally you know, from inception. Jen and Jenny were like, you built a consumer brand, they were exact same targets. And, I, and they were like, and we want you to be on our advisory board and like, just tell us how you built this brand. And I was like, all about public relations. I mean, I basically just like, the only thing I knew was to how to build a brand in public relations. And the reason why this is such a key part of your business is that it costs you almost nothing. If you get in the business of buying customers to buy your product, you are on a treadmill for your entire life as a business. If you can find a way to get earned media, and not just social media, because PR and media media are a whole different level that helps fuel all of that. You can have a sustainable business that can continue to market to your customers um, without an extraordinary drain on your revenue or investment dollar. And so just to quickly take you through the story, there were four of us from NYU Film School and you know we called it the knot far against the, the desires of our funders, they were like, this is terrible, you should call it weddings.com. We were like, we're building a brand. Does weddings.com sound like a good brand to you? It's sexy, but, um, and so we did that, and, and uh, that was part of this, and I encourage you all to be ballsy about your brand, because it's a critical piece of our story of success. But because the bad side of our business is that our audience churns 100% every year, like think about that, you have no long-term customers unless they get divorced and then you're not doing a good job, right? <laughs> um, and so we thought like, well, how are we gonna get customers? And this was the sort of moment in inception where we were like, I think there's like this thing called PR where you can like get on TV. So we like, but we called someone who knows about TV and they were like, well, you can't get on TV. They don't talk about the internet on TV yet. It's like 1996 and that like kooky tech thing on computers. And they're like, but they will if you have a book. So the first thing we did was we signed a book deal. And that is really the sort of birth of ourselves, you know, growing into experts. And then that's how they, they cre we created this entire trajectory of being the voice in the category. 
Um, but just to quickly kind of go through this story, and then we'll kind of go back to some highlights. So we branded ourselves experts. We wanted to be an omni-media brand. We were going to be in, like, on television, newspapers, bookstores, wherever we could think to have a partnership. We reinvented the gift registry business. We did things that were very daring from day one. We supported gay marriage long before it was fashionable. In fact, uh, at this, this we recently put this on our timeline. It was one of the moments we were most ballsy. We had a contest, as you do, to once again create interest in your brand. And um, we had 10 couples. It was for the millennium. You were going to win a BMW. You know, you have to be bold to, to get attention. And um, what happened was that we had, we really wanted to make sure it was a really diverse and modern looking list of couples. So we judged all the entrants. And there were two women in it called Kim. And we were like, it's really important to us. We just, we really want to make sure we have this great diversity. We want to show, that's a part of our brand is make sure that this is the spectrum. These are 10 incredible couples that represent the future of whatever, marriage. So, you know, here we're just sort of doing it to make sure that it's representation of our brand. Well, Kim and Kim got the entire gay population of America to vote for them. <laughs> Seriously, it was like, 250,000 people voted for them, and then like 12,000 voted for everyone else. <laughs> the important thing about the story is, it was like, remember it's still not legal yet, shamefully. And we were going public a minute later. It was one of the hardest decisions we ever had to make as a company, because our bankers are like, this is death. Don't you dare announce that this is the winning couple of the millennium. And we walked in and we were like, said to ourselves, the four founders, like, we'd rather go down in flames and not do what's right. They won the contest. We weren't crazy. We didn't then say, and you know what? Now that they've won, we're going to call every press outlet in America the, day before, the week before we go public and make a big deal. It's like, we won. We announced it to our community. It was a really important thing for us. And it was actually one of the big, biggest pieces of news that we were proud of, but we also had to be clear about what our what the business uh, conditions were at the time. And so we sort of waited till after we had gone public to be like, oh, by the way, the couple of the millennials. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's, a, it's an important story for us and our growth. We bought a local wedding magazine publisher in the year 2000. Um, and 2000 to 2010 was really the extraordinary trajectory for us from a building our brand and becoming a household name. And it is a, it was a long, long window of time that really started with us with those books and trying to become the experts in this category. But it didn't pay off for us until uh, two th the year 2000, which was when um, Oprah, who had called, her producers had called us three times, three different times, like, hi, can you get dresses? You know, we pitch them all the time, obviously. We'd be like, can you get like 200 dresses flown to Chicago? And we'd be like, so we can be on the show? No, we just need help with some dresses. And we were like, should we do it? It's a huge expense to us. We're like a young company. Should we let Oprah's producers use us? Yes. yes. And that, doing that for them, and then again, another time later, we were like, so does this mean we can be on the show? They're like, it's not really the right show. And then finally, um, another, whatever, couple of years later in 2000, they called and they said, we want to do a whole show with you guys. We know you can deliver. 
Um, and so they teamed, we, they teamed up with Preston Bailey, who was on our advisory board, and we did a whole show on like the top trends in, in weddings in all these different areas. And we, we gave a redo wedding to a couple whose wedding was a disaster. And, but the best part about the whole thing was that Oprah mispronounced the name of the company at the start of the show. She was like, this is Carly Rohde from Tie the Knot. And I was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's Oprah. And then they, <laughs> the people must have told her, like, it's not Tie the Knot. So at the end of the show, she was like, and if you are planning a wedding, go to the knot. And so I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. So one thing is, is like, you're, it's never, like, people are like, yeah, how do I get on the Today Show? Like, by getting on the San Antonio Express newspaper. I mean, you can, there's no outlet that is too small to talk about your brand. It doesn't matter if it's your exact target market. It doesn't matter if it's a really big thing. Start very small. Start in your hometown. Those of you who are not in New York City, you're at a far greater advantage, actually. And those of you who are in from New York City, in New York City, but actually from Kansas, start with Kansas. Start with the smallest publications or news outlets because they're the ones most likely to be interested in you if you have a personal tie to them or the smallest publications or outlets related to your category. Always be looking to start in the smallest place because that's how you actually build up to greater outlets. So and even today, we don't turn down interview requests from the smallest outlets that there are. Always say yes. Also keep in mind that there are probably a ton of specific series and columns out there, whether it's at Time, whether it's on Forbes, um, Fortune, Inc., Entrepreneur. There are these great series that could be really awesome for you to tap into and to pitch. So for instance, how we got started. You all have a how I got started story. So keep that in mind um, when you're pitching you know, these specific series and columns. This was maybe, Time had written about us many years, but this is probably, this is talking about when we were expanding. It says, first yep. but not changed how America weds. Next, the first five years of marriage. In a way, you had to be old. You couldn't do how I got started when you were a brand new company necessarily, right? You, this is one that was only going to apply to us once we were older and we could talk about our trajectory to that time and place. And we only did it because we had something new we wanted to talk about. And we knew that they would then see that we had news, so they were going to be revealing something interesting in this article. You have to have news. Yeah, don't be afraid of a roundup article. Everyone wants an article exclusively about them. Your job is actually to think of all of the movement in your category. It just looks like the reporter's not doing their job. If you say, like, write an article about me, and you secretly know there are five other competitors in your space, you're actually better off, if you believe in your position in that set of categories, to say, listen, there's a movement. There are 10 young organic beauty companies that you should know about. It's a movement, and I will help you find and be in contact with all the other people. The great thing about this, so this is an article, once again, like not in the beginning, this was in Wall Street Journal. You can't get an article about our business anymore in Wall Street Journal. But we could do it about the movement to mobile. We also knew they were going to talk about all of our you know, competitors at that time who were also moving to mobile. You have to believe that you're going to be the best. So, you know, we love this quote coming out of this, the Wall Street Journal, the strength of the knot. It is nearly impossible to get engaged without quickly growing addicted to the knot.com, a one-stop shop for brides and grooms alike. Like, that quote from the Wall Street Journal is golden. I then, and also it's about capitalizing on when you get these things and then sharing them out. Grabbing the piece that matters most to you, highlighting that, and not worrying that maybe they said something good about a competitor. Still, share the hell out of this piece, but keep your, you know, the part that highlights you uh, forward. 
Also, you want to keep making new news, so you can't retell the same story over and over again. You've got to get creative, and this is a great example of how um, we were a bit established, and we started a partnership with American Express, and we started a wedding uh, credit card that gave brides all deals to sample sales and to Kleinfeld, and even on their honeymoon. Um, destinations and so we created a new product to talk about um, you know we have been doing weddings and wedding tips and, and expert advice and stuff but we were like we got to do something new let's let's create a new product and create new news so one of the critical pieces of our story and I think we can elaborate on this and how to do it for yourself is that we became experts in the category begrudgingly I mean the, the, the deepest darkest irony of this company is that I hated I was really anti-wedding before I got married <laughs> And I, I really actually think it's like something I did in a past life that I've now spent 25 years talking about. My parents were divorced, so I was never like one of those, I'm going to be a princess in my bad day. I didn't think about weddings. I thought I would never get married. So, and when I got married, I got married in three weeks. Like, I was like, let's just get this puppy done. How hard is it to throw a party? Um, and it uh, turns out it's hard. So when I was in charge of content and all, you know, consumer marketing when we started the business, but I was like, it's okay, I'm going to hire all these people who are experts and they're going to write about it. But quickly it became clear that somebody had to be the name and voice of this company. I mean, now it seems more obvious, but at the time it was like, it's okay, I'm just going to be behind the scenes. I was going to say, like, David and I were married, but we didn't even wear our wedding rings. We were like, we don't want this to be mom and pop. We were trying to be all like professional about it. But then the PR firm came and they were like, all right, so who's your spokesperson? We were like, a spokesperson? No, you're just gonna get people to write stories. And they're like, no, no, no. You need to, and they're like, and the two of you are married? That's a story. We're like, no, you can't tell that story. Like, if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna hire us, we're gonna tell that story. And so then we were like, okay. You have to be the person who is the absolute number one go-to expert in your category. Define your category, whatever it is, who is small. But then, and over time, you're building a relationship where they just know who to call. They're easy to access, you'll comment on anything. And this also is like, okay, attack of bridezilla, demanding perfection before I do. This was an article that we were like, mm, we're we have to talk kind of uncomfortably about brides who are too demanding. Like people who are like asking people to lose weight before their wedding if they want to be in the bridal party or asking them to cover up their tattoos or, and you know, so I was like, ooh, am I gonna talk against my brides? And it's another thing we always like, Always say yes, and say, unless it's something that really rubs you the wrong way, because you want to be in the conversation. So there's an example of, I want to be in every article that opens in the New York Times about it, I'm like immediately like, are we in it? <laughs> and sometimes you're not going to be, just because they also want to be seen as doing their job, but you, your goal should be to be the go-to expert for all the reporters who report on your category. Summer of 2000, or like spring of 2000, <coughs> Jeff Zucker, who was, who was the head of NBC at the Today Show at the time, is now the head of CNN. Um, a friend of his knew somebody in our company or something, and had heard about like this internet thing and, and weddings, and and he literally, I, don't even, I literally don't even know how it happened, but we got a call from NBC, who we have been pitching forever to let us be on, on the show. And we'd only been on local NBC affiliates by that time, like with our books and things like that. We had never, despite the fact of the promise of writing these damn three books all night long, like pregnant and breastfeeding babies, it never <laughs> actually got us on the on the, the morning show. But then they called me and said, we want to do something, we want something big and interactive on TV. Um, will you come to, you know, 
Rockefeller Center and talk to talk to us about it. And we went and we brainstormed um, this idea of uh, an interactive wedding series um, where we were going to marry someone with the help of the American public, make all the decisions about their wedding on, live on TV, and they called the show Today Ties the Knot. And it was 13 weeks in the summer of 2000. I was on the Today Show every Wednesday morning. And we ran the, they didn't even have like a website really yet, so we ran the whole voting mechanism on our website. So we got all the traffic from every, now, the funny things about this, the lessons in it are not only like, wow, we're really, really lucky, um, but more so when, when they say junk, you say how high. When they say, can you build a website, you say yes. And at that time, it meant like, well, we only have X number of engineers, we could take them off our business initiatives, whatever else, but you say yes. And you also have to be flexible. The producers themselves wanted to have an opinion and a point of view. Yeah, I mean, they're the ones, you know, they're the ones that are creating these segments, but you're working alongside them to give your ideas and, you know, they're, they need your help. Like, they're a one-man show most of the time, and I can't tell you how many times producers have said, oh my god, you're a lifesaver, you got, you know, ten dresses for this segment, you ran the casting call to bring in real brides to try them on, and then you figured out all the hair accessories and the makeup and the hair looks, like you do their job for them. Um, and it becomes very valuable, and then they think of you when they want to do another wedding segment. They're like, oh, the knot was awesome to work with, they basically made me look so great to my boss, and did this whole segment, we're going to call them up. But it's a very interesting relationship. They have to be the auteur, you have to be just, it's complicated, because basically you can't not have an opinion about everything, but as soon as they have an opinion, you kind of have to pull back on your opinion. Remember, they all went to film school, their TV, but they really want, this is their segment, these are their ideas, and so it's just an important thing to remember, that when you feel that pushback, you know, give. Um, and because that's how we did it, because we literally, this was, um, literally 10 years straight. So this is, you know, our last year with um, uh, Katie Couric doing it. And then they were like, America's tired of wedding, marrying people. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was literally the water cooler conversation in every office in America for 10 years. And this is really what built us into a household brand. We went from having, you know, 3,000 new members join a day, 6,000 new members join a day over the course of this summer. And everybody knew who the knock was. I would get stopped in airports. And it was because somebody called and said, Do you, I mean, it, it's, I can't promise it for you, but I can at least give you the pieces of the puzzle that when that opportunity comes, you know how to be positioned to um, do it well. And every other outlet ever, yeah. too big, small, whatever it is, always say yes, do it, do whatever they ask for, get them whatever photo they ask for. Um, Etc. So you really want to define what makes you unique. Um, you know, what's going to stop a journalist and say, yes, I want to cover this brand, this service, this app. Um, and you want to make sure that you're news. You want to be different from the competitors. If you have five competitors in your space, you want to be able to define what makes you unique and different from them and then be able to articulate that to the press. That's super important. I can't tell you how many times um, my product team has come to me and said, oh, we're launching this new feature in the app, or we're going to launch this new um, you know, digital product. And I'm like, well, how is it different from the competitors? And if it's not, I'm like, press isn't going to be interested. Like, you have to be different. And figure out what your, <laughs> figure out what your unique selling points are and, and what's exciting about you. Really take that time to figure that out, map it out, write it down, and speak and live it. 
you know, journalists don't, the reason why you, you really need to be nice is they don't write opinion pieces. They don't get to say like, I love this thing, except if there are no numbers. They write interview pieces where they consult experts. That's why being an expert in your category is the place to start before you even maybe even get talked about for what your particular product is. If you can get yourself out there. And there are multiple ways um, to do this. First of all, really, really know your stuff. If you're standing here today and you know something about a category, you make sure that you know every single thing about that category. Like go back to sixth grade, write that really, really deep, detailed research report, gather it all, know your key stats of your category, have them like this, because those are what really define you as an expert, not your opinions about your category. That's what makes you special about building your unique product, but your expertise in your category is what other people care about in terms of consulting you um, and, and noting you. Also know all the other experts in your category and follow them religiously. Follow, see what articles they get quoted in. Make note then, I mean, you're using, you're building your expertise on the backs of other, other experts in your category. So, you know, put a Google alert on all of them. And then each one of the articles that they are in, get, put a Google alert on that writer. And that's how you can then quickly go back and keep notes on all of it. Like this writer wrote these, you know, sort of articles, pin them in Evernote or whatever it is so that you know um, what those are. And um, and statistics are really, really important. Statistics that exist out in the world, always credit the statistics, and then statistics that you develop yourself. We are the number one um, source of, we have the largest audience, so we have the largest ability to survey our audience. So in, I don't know, year or whatever, we started right off the bat being, once again, because our PR team told us, like, we have to be the, the statistic arbiter for our entire industry. No one's done it before. And so we put out an annual survey every single year of all the stats and things, from spend statistics to you know more psychographic, like the changing words that people use to describe their weddings, like whatever you want, average cost of everything in there. It took us a long time to aggregate the audience to really say that these were viable statistics. And the other thing is sometimes to partner with a third party who also has an audience to do it with if you don't have quite a big enough audience yourself. One more thing about statistics too is that if you're trying to tell a story like our app grew um, tremendously in the past year, well that's not enough. Actually prove it and provide the backup. Our app grew 110% in downloads year over year. So find your media targets, that's your next step. You really want to figure out who covers the topic um, that your company fits into. Um, so this can be you know, going to the media outlets, like making a list of the media outlets that you want to be in, and then finding out who covers that topic. You know, Google your topic within um, that website, that media outlet, Google it in general. Um, there are also tools out there if you guys have the budgets. There's um, Scission Point, there's Meltwater, there's Muckrack, and these are actual databases um, that you can search you know any outlet or any journalist and get their contact information you can find out who covers you know fashion within this magazine or that outlet um, it's a really valuable tool and then you know reach out and email them a short introduction on you and your story and your company um, and just put it out there that you're there and you're there to be a resource to them if they're ever writing about the topic that you would fit into
Um, and that sort of brings me to the next point of, you know, reach out, but not just when you need something. You know, reach out and, and ask them, you know, compliment them on, on the last story they wrote. Ask them what they're working on in the next few weeks. Um, what sorts of sources they're talking to and what they're looking for. Um, and so you got to build that relationship. You don't always want to be just contacting them when you want to be featured, because um, then it's that like one-way relationship. You do not need a PR team. You do not need public. In fact, um, reporters don't like publicists and PR teams, really. They like you. They want you they to want be to talk their to you. contact. They want to talk to you. So you're at a unique advantage at this moment in time, even though you probably see yourself as at a disadvantage of not being having the money to hire someone to do this for you. Um, I just, you know, as soon as you get a contact or person, flag it in your phone as a VIP, because I can tell you the one thing about these sort of things, if they actually reach out to you, they expect instantaneous response, because they'll yep. go on to another opportunity or another expert in like a hot second. Yeah. Um, but if they don't think that they expect to hear from somebody else. They will like it. It'll be refreshing for them yep. to hear directly from, from you. And also just invite um, journalists to, to coffee or to lunch. That's the easiest way to build a relationship is in person. Then they remember your face. They remember you. And so the next time you send them an email pitch, they're going to open your email you know, more likely than not. And then your next step is to craft the pitch. So the first thing you do is you craft your subject line, and that is super important. We're going to go through a few good and bad pitch examples, real life, that our not editorial team has received. So you'll get some good tips there. Um, but that subject line is so key. Um, it's got to be short and to the point, and the most important message that you want to convey in one short subject line, because you want to get through those 500,000 emails that these reporters are getting every single day. Um, get to the point. Be succinct. Don't rattle on with your story. You want to be able to talk and explain your product in one to two sentences and right at the top of your email. Personalize it. We talked about this. You know, comment on a on a piece that they just wrote or um, say you know what you loved about the last um, thing that they that they did. Um, and then you want to format it correctly. So not, um, in addition to not making it way too long, you definitely want to have bullets in there. You want to bold um, and you want photos. So um, you know, if you're doing a, if you're pitching um, the top five wedding dress trends from Bridal Fashion Week, uh, you want to bold that trend and then you know, write a few sentences about it and then put a photo of it so they can actually visualize what that trend is. And you want it all in the body of the email. Do not attach anything because that's one quick way to get your email into spam. Um, people don't like attachments. Literally you're pitching someone on their phone. Open up your phone, look at your inbox, look at how much content is there in an average person's thing. It's the first four words of your subject line and it's the first wrap of your thing. If you can't pitch yourself in that amount of, you know, that, that's what it is, because they're managing their business just like we are, like all on our phones. Um, stats, we talked about that already. Super important to back your stuff up, to use stats that are, you know, in the industry or to use your own on your own users or any surveys that you've done. Um, and make sure that you have a timely angle. Um, and that you can bring the, the value to the journalist. A timely angle will go into a little bit more, but think about what's going on in the country, in the world, are the Olympics going on? Do you have something that can connect to that? Um, the Grammys, the Oscars, uh, back to school, um, any sort of thing that you can tie your story to is super important. So we're going to show a few bad and good examples of pitches. These are real life pitches that came to our editorial team. So um, check out this uh, subject line, news story. 
is that really important to put in the subject line? Of course it's a news story that you're trying to pitch, or maybe it's not in this case. Um, that's so fetch. New York City Bar holds Mean Girls Jingle Bell Rock Brunch. So this pitch is all about a bar in New York City hosting a uh, Mean Girls uh, Jingle Bell Brunch where people are encouraged to wear their skimpiest Santa outfits. And so this coming to the knot, this is not relevant to us at all. So this publicist clearly didn't do her research of what our publication covers and who she's even reaching out to. Um, and again, just, you know, please see attached for the press release in the poster. No, don't attach anything. Links are okay. Um, if you can give a few examples of like, if you're linking out to photo, like a full set of photos, put a few examples of those photos in the body of the email and then say, see here for the full set. So this is an example of a good pitch. Um, the subject line, bachelor party locales you never thought you needed. Hey, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, and it pertains to the knot. Um, and so what she did was she put 16 of the best. I love how she bolded 16 of the best under the radar bachelor party destinations for every type of groom. And then under her, you know, quick three-sentence opening, she went into those locales and she bolded what they were and what type of groom they were for. I mean, this could, the, we're constantly doing roundups of the best places for bachelor and bachelorette parties. Like, she basically wrote the story for us. Here's another bad example, the subject line, exclusive dinner with Carolina Kirkova. Oh, that's actually pretty interesting. You're like, great, I'm going to go to dinner with Carolina. Oh, no, you actually read the pitch. And the event was last night. You weren't invited to it. But here's some photos from the event um, and also uh, talked a little bit about what she discussed in the magazine. It was a magazine event where she was the cover star um, and, you know, she touched on um, the interview talking about her biggest insecurities and to her best attributes and something about her now husband, how she tracked him down through Facebook. I don't know what this has to do with the knot. If you're trying to get us to maybe cover um, some quotes that she had about meeting her husband and her relationship with her husband, we might cover that. But you didn't put any of the quotes in the email. You didn't give us anything that we could use. Um, another good example, um, so this is from Etsy, and I loved her opening. It was so great meeting you at the Etsy event in February, and I wanted to keep you in the loop on all things Etsy. Um, we're releasing a new trend guide, and we actually referenced the Knot study in it. That's awesome. So it's really cool to see that our stats are being used with other brands to um, put out other trends that, that they're doing. Um, and what was really interesting in this piece was that she offered to share the guide under embargo, and what that means is that before the announcement of this trend guide comes out to the public through a press release or through a mass you know, release to, to, to the public, um, she's offering this news to us beforehand. So we get a look at it beforehand. We have a month because it was coming out you know, um, in a month or so, and um, we get to have time to write our stories so we can write a story the day that they release this on that day. So that's super important. That's a good tactic if you would like to, you know, drum up some press on an actual release date um, so that they're, you know, writing their stories and it's coming out the same time that you're announcing. And then she also offered an interview with their expert. So this pitch is totally off topic for us. If you knew anything about our brand, we're never telling people to change the way they look for their wedding day or even to just lose weight for their wedding day. Like you be comfortable in your own skin. You do what you want to do to, um, to get there. And this is all about um, procedures like rhinoplasty and breast implants and breast reductions to have before your wedding day. So totally delete. <laughs>
<laughs> um, so this is our last good pitch example. So this is an interview op, and I love that she put in the subject right away, interview op. So that's awesome. Um, and it's about Christina Perry and her husband discussing their marriage and their new baby on the way. And in actuality, it's really about him, Paul, the husband. He's um, the host of this new show, Beat the Clock, that premieres February 6th. But I love how she turned this into a new angle and said, hey, him and Christina Perry, who you probably all know, um, can talk about their marriage and their wedding and their new baby on the way. And by the way, you know, can you mention that Beat the Clock premieres February 6th? And this is a great pitch because it's coming out a month before the premiere, so it gives you time to interview the couple, to get some photos from them, to get it up just in time for the premiere of the show. Okay, preparing for an interview. Write out all the questions that someone might ask you. Sometimes people will give you questions in advance. Sometimes they won't. I say, like, think of every question that you would ask them. It's not that hard. That you would ask yourself. It's not that hard. And write out all the answers for yourself, just so you never have to, like, hammer haw. And these are things you probably are used to doing because you've been in investor meetings or pitch meetings or here or anything else. But just, you know, it's good to have them written down. Honestly, I've been doing this for 20 years. I still ask them to write out if I'm like, what's the topic again? I just, there's a lot in my mind. I, love, I really want to like remember exactly what I want to say on particular topics. Because I can talk about anything, but what the key messages are, are something different. And unless I'm sort of reminded before I go in, I get a little concerned with entertaining the reporter, or I get an inner, a little concerned with coming up, and I forget to put the key messages in. So always have those in front of you and make sure that you're, and they're up top. Um, understand your medium and the timing of your medium. Do watch whatever show, like these guys would always make me watch the show. You're, like, you're gonna go on Squawk Box. I'm like, who's the host of that again? What's the format for that again? Oh, it's watch it and understand the dynamic of that. They're all different. Some people, some reporters like long-winded answers, some like short-winded answers, um, and it's just, you know, it's important to understand the cadence because you have to go and you have to mold yourself to their um, cadence. Um, the audience, once again, you, you know, research it, ask them. You're allowed to ask the reporter, like, you know, you can research it, but mostly, like, remind me of your, like, well, who would you say your average reader was? I want to make sure that my answers are tailored to the, or, or viewer. So the first time I was on the Today Show, first day of, the, of this, we're going to plan this wedding with a couple on TV, and I sit down, and I'm here, like, super excited, and we've been working on this Today Show for, like, two months already, and it's also, and, you know, Perry sits down, and I'm, like, so fun, fluff piece introduced, and she looks at me, and she's like, why would anyone want to get married on television? Who came up with this idea? I was like, are you kidding me? I literally had no idea. And I, I remember being like stunned. I'm like, I could just think on your feet. And while you would have never prepped me with that question or whatever else, I would be like, you know, a wedding is an adventure and to share it with the American public is an even more fun adventure in this time when everyone's trying to set their way apart. But I was like, I never want to be interviewed by Ann Curry. She's a tough one. One other, one other tip on this is also to know um, sort of the background of who's interviewing you on TV or even on a phone interview as a journalist. Um, you know, whenever we're talking about weddings, we're like, you remember when you got married, how tough it was to, or whatever, or, you know, you're a parent as well. How did you deal, like, so just always being able to connect with that interviewer and build that rapport with them is great um, for relationships, but then also great for the viewer to see that, you know, rapport.
Um, so just a few more pro tips. Um, don't pitch the most senior staff. If you're going to a magazine, you read the masthead, and you've got the editor-in-chief on the top, you've got the executive editor, the deputy editor, most likely those people are not the ones uh, writing the actual you know, majority of the stories. Um, they're leading the team. And so you want to reach out to those you know, associate editors, assistant editors, editors, senior editors. And they're also the, the younger staff are really hungry for great stories. They want to be able to go to their editor and say, I have this awesome story idea. And if you can provide that idea to them, that's awesome. They're also the ones that are maybe more likely to answer your emails, too. Um, so think beyond the press release. So the press release is a formal announcement. You don't always have to and you should not have to put a press release out for every single thing. A pitch, a personalized pitch is way more effective sometimes than a press release that you put out over PR Newswire or Business Wire. Um, but also, you know, think about a corporate blog or blogging on Medium where you actually have control of the entire message that you're putting out there in your post. Um, and so, you know, start to write. Get your writing skills up there and out there. Don't send updates that aren't news. A small feature here and there in a new app is not newsworthy. You know, take, take the time, or, or if you're not sure, have someone else you know, read your pitch. And if it's not newsworthy, don't send it. Don't waste that. Again, create a corporate blog. Um, promote your press. We talked about this. You know, make sure you have social media channels that you can go out and we do this all the time. If you follow Exo Group Inc. on social media, we're constantly thanking reporters and linking out to their story for covering us. Um, it's just a way to build up your credibility and also, again, engage with those reporters. And they, they're under just as much pressure as you are to get traction for their mini business, which is their column. So they want to see that you're helping them get more exposure and build the viability. So it really works well. If you support them, they will continue to support you. Yep. Um, so build up your profile. Like Carly said earlier, start small. Start in your local markets. You're not going to get on the Today Show tomorrow. You want to build up your credibility as an expert. And a lot of times what those national news shows will ask are for links to other segments that you've done to prove that you're going to be awesome on TV. If you can't show that, they're not going to have you on. That's the same thing for me with editors at The Knot. If, if an editor is a little more junior and hasn't had that exposure on national TV yet, and we don't have you know local TV segments to show that, they're not going to put them on the Today Show. Thank you all so much for sharing this with us. Go get them. Thank you for listening to the Project Entrepreneur, the Tools podcast series. We are adding more episodes all the time, so please subscribe to get the latest on how to make your business successful. You can find more resources and learn about upcoming events at projectentrepreneur.org. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PJT Entrepreneur and like us on Facebook. Project Entrepreneur is a program of Rent the Runway Foundation and UBS. Special thanks to our community advisors, Black Founders, Latino Startup Alliance, Venture for America, and historically Black colleges and universities innovation, commercialization, and entrepreneurship program.